Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Mikey Stafford here, and I am joined by Rory O'Neill, Connor McKeown, and Derek McGrath. Who went back on a fairly impressive league final performance by Waterford. How are we all doing, lads? Very good, Mikey. Good, Mikey. Mm, Derek's probably a bit better than the rest of us, but um, I don't know. It's it's Monday morning, and I feel as exhilarated as David Clifford sounded during his uh, acceptance speech yesterday in Crow Park. <laughs> I was up there with one of the most tick the box speeches I've ever heard in my life. Um, it was you should just do, do you know what though? I mean, I don't know how the two lads would feel about it, but I'd get rid of speeches. Now I know that I'm saying that from a TV perspective because they're dreadful by the, and I know you get the odd one, you get the Dale one. I really, I really just think they're an, an antiquated, old-fashioned idea they turn into a bunch of thank yous thank the kit man thank the sponsors thank this thank that should we know that you appreciate all of that i just think they're a pile of shite and they should be just done away with hand them the cup and move on i know sorry i'm and the national anthem and the parades i get rid of the anthem as well the anthem should only be played before finals i think we cheapen the anthem jesus we'd play it before an under 12 rounders match like at this stage do you know what i mean ridiculous carry on but anyway sorry rory's rants rory's rants on a monday morning yeah um we'll have kieran wheeling along in a little while to to look back on that that impressive performance by kerry in uh dismembering mayo but uh we'll, we'll start with watford's um watford puncturing the Cork balloon two weeks before the Munster Championship, Derek. Uh, there was a lot of optimism around Cork. Um, it seems to dissipate. And you'd kind of wonder, Derek, at this stage, so kind of the broad question before the little stuff, but who actually got a lot from the Hurling League this year? You could argue um, Cork did until the final game, and now they're probably questioning everything that went before. Kilkenny were probably quite happy as well, even losing the semi-final. But the team that beat them <laughs> were, were so comprehensively beaten in the final, they'll be questioning everything. And Wexford were 100% and they get absolutely flayed in the semi-final as well. So um, Limerick got something out of it because they didn't injure any players and everybody's well rested. And Waterford got something out of it because they got the cup and everybody else is probably um, at their head in their hands wondering what the hell's coming in two weeks. <laughs> And I think more than that, we got we got our fourth national title, you know, and I think that's a, a crucial thing on the back of, I think I say the last time, we certainly lost four finals when I was involved, there was three other finals lost. So psychologically, I think that little Philip of, of getting the trophy in the cabinet and having it almost out of the way. And look, Rory talked about speeches. I think if you look at Conor Prunty's speech and David Clifford's speech, I think both were caveated by there's a next step, a bigger step here. And, and that's where really the... the you know, the crux of the speeches were and, and the performance for Waterford in terms of who got most of the league, Waterford undoubtedly did, as I said, a national trophy, confidence, still freshness to come back into the team in terms of Jamie Barn, 70 minutes into Caleb Lines, 70 minutes into, into Connor Prunty. You know, we speculated all week down here that God, they won't we, they won't miss, they won't risk Caleb Lines, they won't risk, you know, they hold off for two weeks' time. So they've gotten game time into those, relatively quite Desi Hutchison in the final. Um, and, and, and the key thing to remember is with all the discussions of how how will it stand to you and how will it 
you know, Serbia, the, the league, etc. The reality is, I think that we're actually going to get better. I think we're going to get better. <laughs> and, and, and you're trying to be consciously not, you know, people saying, oh, they're getting giddy down a wall for that. I'm, I, I'm a realist here. People talk about marquee players around the country and you talk about your Keen Lynches and you talk about your Kyle Hayes, etc. But I think we have seven or eight marquee players like Austin, Jamie Barron, Kate they, didn't Rines, even, they, they didn't even play, Derek. And, and they didn't even play it. And, and that's my point. And look, I think I'm in a good position. I know Austin well. I can tell you now, he, be, he will be, he will be humming. He will be home and come come Easter Sunday, like and and you know I text a few of the boys. I was actually at a wedding on Saturday, and I, I text a few of the boys after. I, I've said this previously. I've had little or no contact with him over the over the years because you try and give for a space. And every text that came back was step one complete, step one complete. A bit robotic, maybe you don't want to hear that, but that was the that was the definite kind of tenure of their of their of their thought process, and uh, it's very very exciting, like. Um, and, and you know you talk about Kerry and I watched Pat Spillane highlighting Kerry's kind of defensive structure the last couple of weeks Kerry scored 317 or 318 yesterday in football and yet defensively they were in really great shape so the counter-attacking system that Waterford having play with, with the runners Jack Prenner that's kind of Neil Montgomery the unfashionable guys I suppose doing the work and then just breaking at unbelievable pace Connor uh, this, this Waterford style play is it's kind of frightening in a way, and that like that they knew how to beat Cork, which was runners off the shoulder and straight down the middle. They did it. They scored four goals. They could have scored six or seven. And the 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 thing is with Liam Cahill is you imagine that this isn't the only game plan. This was the game plan for Cork when they play Limerick in a few weeks. There's a very good chance that they will change that style of play. They don't. They seem to be a bit of a Swiss Army knife. It's not a one size fits all. Yeah, I think this might be in contrast to Cork yesterday, and I wouldn't sort of damn Cork um, on the basis of one display, but I think the big thing for Waterford is, you know, if a team sets up in a different way, they can adapt. You know, I mean, if there's going to be space in behind, if teams are going to clog the middle in such a way that they don't want Waterford to break through at all costs, well, then there's going to be space inside for Desi Hutchinson and Stephen Bennett. You know, the hurling pitch is only the same size, so you can, it's up to you to position where you want to have your players. I suppose the point about Waterford is, they have the players to hurt you, hurt you from every position. Whereas I thought Cork yesterday, you know, like I, I think I was on this podcast after they beat Limerick and they looked so, so good. But Cork do look so good when the setup suits them. Um, and I don't know whether is, is there a bit of a reluctance uh, on management part to change things up in the game. But the things that work for them, like, you know, they, the number of times against Kilkenny in the semi-final where they allowed Kilkenny full back line to have short puckouts and have possession and keep it, and then set up this very sort of sturdy block through the, the, the middle of the team. They tried to do something similar to that against Waterford, and when it wasn't working yesterday, they didn't really have any, um, they didn't have any real response to it. And But again, like, I think all the credit has to go to Waterford here because they like they stopped that if it's given. Carter Daly, like, you know, I'm absolutely sure that Mikey Bevins and Liam Cattle are excellent management, but you won't get the same level of credit when one or two bonus fee day starters just come through onto your team every year. And like, you know, you were looking at uh, Erla Daly last year, you're looking at Carter Daly this year, fellas coming straight through and straight into the team and really, really key players. So I suppose the exciting thing, and you can you can gather it from just even talking to Derek this morning, but the exciting thing from a water point of view is there's no indication yet where their ceiling is absolutely none whatsoever like they're going to keep going like and there's guys coming back I don't mean coming back but coming back into form like, like remember the 2016 uh, under 21 win and they scored five goals against Galway in the final 
and that day the two Bennett's and uh, Patrick Corn were absolutely electric and it has taken a year or two particularly for Corn and even DJ Foran as well those players now are all absolutely central to the thing and everybody is pushing it on so I suppose what you have is a very good setup an ambitious panel that uh, as Derek said after the match the reaction told you a lot about where their ambitions lie for the year so they're very very focused um, and they're just very very exciting to watch you know yeah. I mean the the, the, the the, the guy that, um, like, we, you know, like the inside forwards didn't get the same level of ball that they were supposed to do, but still they kept going. And Desi popped up with a goal at the very end. I saw a piece that Chris O'Connor wrote for the Echo, a very good statistical analysis, and he reckons that Desi Hutchison only touched the ball four times in the game. So there you go. That's where Cork focused on trying to, um, you know, keep Waterford players out of possession. And Waterford just hurt them everywhere else. So... Like it, it's just, it's, I think it's very exciting for everybody because Waterford, one of those teams, I think, where, um, you know, people kind of will them to do well. There's something they have a bit of, um, they have a great bit of sort of character about that team. And, you know, even the question about Gleason as well, there was a couple of years ago where the, you'd be sitting here saying, well, you know, is Gleason a centre back? Is he, you know, and, and that was kind of a big question that needed to be solved until you could say, well, Waterford, we're going to be for sure. But now the team is steady, it's settled, all the sort of building blocks are in place and they can just throw Gleason back in and wing forward the next day. And I would be absolutely certain that he tires into Tipperary in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. Uh, Rory, we, a little bit on Cork, who, like, the, the defensive issues that have been spelled out pretty well by the lads, that, they, they were uh, they were very apparent, but like the, the first thing, yeah, the first thing Kieran Kingston mentioned really, I think, in his post match interview was the fact that they missed seventeen chances. So yeah. you know he had that figure to hand straight after the game. So it was that glaring that the statsman gave that one to him. Um, like you know we we we've sat here like you know saying nice things about the Cork forward line, um, but to miss seventeen chances in a national final. Your defense has to help you out, but the other, <laughs> if you're not scoring at the other end anyway, you know what your defense does can be a, bit, a little bit pointless. Still put up an, an, not an unreasonable tally in the end. Certainly, mm. certainly, you know, in terms of points, obviously, I don't think, I mean, I know Robbie O'Flynn scored a goal, kind of consolation stuff at the back end, and there was one half chance, which Sean O'Brien made a fantastic save. I don't think Cork created another goal-scoring opportunity in the whole match, which is testament again to Waterford. The lads mentioned one word there, and both of the lads mentioned the same word quite a lot, exciting, in relation to Waterford. And I think that's the word. That is the word. I mean, they're so exciting to watch. Like, they're just racking up massive tallies, like, you know, all, all across the team. They play a brilliant brand of hurling. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're just great to watch. I picked them to start of the league. I said to Derek in a text last night, I think it's the first of three finals for them for the year. And I'd stand over that. I'd still think it'll take us some. Like uh, people always, people are saying, you know, you know, all oh, like, you know, everyone's worried about Limerick. Everyone's worried about Waterford. Yeah. Everyone will be worried about Waterford. Like I can tell you now, John Coyley left that, left that, left Hurlis on Saturday night saying, we have a right job on our hands here with this, with this lot. And, mm -hmm. um, and uh, from a Cork perspective, I just think it's the same old failings. Again, they just haven't sorted out their defence properly. I do think on the 16th, 17th of April, there'll be a rejigging of that back six. I saw Owen Cadigan in the paper this morning saying that um, he would look to push Mark Coleman further up the field and possibly even into centre forward. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't probably go that radical, but I definitely, I just don't think Mark Coleman is a six in the in the modern sense. You look at all the good sixes, the top sixes, right? Which is Declan Hannon, Tiger Burke. They're deep lying. 
Mark Coleman is not that. They're ball ball playing centre backs, fair enough. But Mark Coleman needs a looser role. He's just not going to lock down the middle of that defence. Going back to 2013, teams have been running right down the middle of the Cork defence, scoring goals easily. I mean, I saw John Gardner's tweet. It was very funny. You know, I won't be able to sleep over the goals Cork conceded tonight. Tonight, you know, and I was kind of saying to myself, like, it is exactly the kind of player like him that you need. You just need somebody to go into those three and six central planks and just try and lock it down in a way that lads are going to think twice about running up that blind alley because they'll know that they're going to be met with something other than, you know, open the door and then you go. I think that's going to be an issue, and I do think a rejig is required. It'll probably mean that young lad having to go into the number six position earlier than he's expected. But the word is Kyle Hayes could end up playing 11. And I mean, what a baptism of fire for a 19-year-old to have to tackle <laughs> Kyle Hayes in his first Monster Championship out at senior level. So, look, I can understand the management's conundrum on that point of view. Jor Mellerick, in my view, shouldn't have been taken off when he was. I would have definitely persisted with him and maybe chucked him further back to field to try and tie things down, possibly put him on to Stephen Bennett. Um, and um, yeah, look, I think all across the defence, I mean, Tim O'Mahony, you know, look, I mean, people could actually make the argument, was he at fault for certainly one, two, maybe three of the goals? Like, is he a defensive-minded wing back again? I just think they're, they're like, we spoke on the podcast in the preview and I backed Waterford and I, stick, I stuck with it. Dalo thought it was me playing silly buggers. And he was, and, and I said, look, the problems are going to be at the other end. Cork will rack up big enough scores to win matches. They just will concede too much at the other end. Yeah. And that's still the, and still, that's still the problem. On that, the on the, the concession, just the, the scoring rates, Derek, of, of Waterford are astonishing. And, and particularly in terms of goals, I think it's 22 in the league. For a couple of years, I've been saying, how do you beat Limerick? How do you beat, like, what, how is, what will a team have to do? And the funny thing is that for a couple of years there, Limerick almost were playing this game. Well, we'll, we'll, sc- we'll score over 30 points and we won't be too worried about scoring goals. Um, now, they, get, they went away from that a little bit last year, at least statistically, it looked like they did. Um, Waterford, Liam Cahill, it's a pretty logical approach, but like, could you, like, from a coaching point of view, like, it's easy for us to say, I'll score more goals. Like, anybody can say that, but Waterford have quite clearly designed an attacking game plan here that Desi Hutchinson touches the ball four times, but one of those times he scores a goal. And that's, kind of the strike rate they seem to be looking for everybody. And I'm just wondering, from you watching from the outside, how are they going about this? What What is, what's the key to this like phenomenal goal scoring rate? Well, a couple of things anyway. If you really analyse the last two All-Ireland, or, or two performances against Limerick, if you go back to last year's semi-final, and if you go to the All-Ireland final, the December final, Watford actually created some really good goal scoring chances in that. In actual fact, I was just writing a few notes on that on Friday. I was kind of saying there was... There was at least six goal scoring chances in last year's um, semi-final. Even before Aaron Glenn got that kind of, we'd say the goal just before the water break. And, and the year before there was, so there's huge athleticism first and foremost. We have the paciest team with Cork, I'd actually argue, in terms mm. of it from, from eight to 15. And even from, take Caleb Lines as your, you know, your, your attacking five. And, and listen, lads, Cork Daly is the fastest player in Watford. Like people don't realize, Cork Daly. If you is watch, he still under twenty. Is he still in under twenty? He's still under twenty. Yeah, he's still under twenty. Yeah. And Cork, I know Cork's dad now, Noel, Noel Well. Great people, great family. Like proper. Like he was down in CBC. Actually, went to CBC, played Hartley down in CBC. If you really watched him over the years, he did not give um, Cahill O'Neill a sniff when Watford played Limerick in a minor round robin in two nineteen in Welsh Park. The day that Watford got the awful tanking off Limerick. He did not give Carl O'Neill a sniff of the ball that day. Actually, Carl O'Neill got a point from play. But if you, if people were really watching him, 
you're kind of saying to yourself, this fella can do it all. And I was actually on local radio here on Friday. I said, I wonder will he tag Dara Fitzgibbon? Um, and, and, you know, and, and he made, not only did he make it a nightmare for Dara Fitzgibbon, but he got forward himself. I think he won three, four frees in a row at one stage. And all he needs to do, a little bit more finesse on the, on the offload. And if you really watch him, he'll be after creating goals for a chance. So what they have is their power when they win the ball, to break tackle off the shoulder. But it's the depth that Montgomery will go to, the depth that Jack Prendergast will go to, the depth that those willing runners will go to, and then just a little offload, you know. And, you know, it's interesting to provide some context. When we won the league in 15, Patrick Horn and Shane Bennett were doing their leaving, sir. And I remember, I remember, you know, I remember kind of saying, Shane Bennett had played in the league for us. He was actually our star in the league in some games. Mm. And we, we, we tried our best to get him to play the league final, but it was obviously just before the leaving, sir. So he actually left the panel and Patrick and himself came on in the 15 semi-final against the Munster champs. So the point I make, I suppose, is, is I've made this argument that now we have players coming to their actual peak of their physical, mental, tactical awareness. You know, they're, they're, they're just so aware of what's going on and they smell blood. Years ago, I would look at the tip attack of Bubbles, Callanan, even Lark Corbett, Owen Kelly, and they would be zipping it around looking for that extra pass for the goals. If you watch the Waterford College's winning, All-Ireland winning team that Dara Lyons was part of, that Patrick Horn was a part of, that Ty de Burke was a part of, that Colin Dunford, that's now the, the hub of the team. As opposed, I suppose, when we were there in 17, our biggest difference was, was Morn and Brick and Dyke mm. still and Jamie. It, it, the, the, the change, it's kind of almost like a... A geographical change in terms of the Western influence within the team. Valley Gunner dominated Watford here, yet they, they may only end up with one player on the on the on the on the Watford team, which is no bad thing in terms of balance as well. Great so I think, thing, yeah. yeah, you know, they're really just they're attacking. And, and look, when you play with that type of confidence, you know, it's it's you can see the confidence is dripping from them, you know, mm. and, and that unity is obviously there. And again, fast forward that to Cal's under 20 tip team. You know, against Wexford and all in the semi-final, I think they got seven or eight goals. And they train at 100 miles an hour, that's 100 miles an hour. They bring chaos. They bring frantic kind of... And, you know, I hear this talk of, we're contenders. I got a lot of texts last night from up the country. You're definitely contenders. 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 <laughs> we're, 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 the team. we're the team to beat. We are the team to beat. Yeah. Simple as. Yeah. And I don't care who's waiting in the long grass. I heard someone said to me yesterday, I tip her waiting in the long grass to have their eyes on you. They can all wait in the long grass because... It's whoever beats Waterford, it will be going up the steps. I think that's I think that's bamboo that Tipperary are hiding in rather than long grass at this stage. Um, Connor, um, that was actually I was just leading down to this. We'll finish up with hurling down a minute. I asked at the start who got anything from the league, so I suppose that from that, I suppose the spin off question is. Like our Waterford All Ireland favourites at this stage after that league. Like you can win a league and people kind of shrug their shoulders and say it was just the league, or you can win the league like Waterford just won the league and everyone like puffs out their cheeks and says, uh, "I wonder was Limerick kind of you know bunking off the league the right approach? Can they possibly come into the championship with the same level of intensity as Waterford? And even if they do, have Waterford now just kind of hit some kind of a peak?" Well, I'd far prefer to be in the position that uh, Waterford are in now than, mm. than Limerick are. Um, you know, like regardless of how much of sort of Limerick's inertia was self-inflicted or, or orchestrated by management because they, they you know, they, they didn't see any value in winning games early on in the league. There's, there's no doubt about it that the Waterford dress room, their, their training session on Tuesday, whatever the next game they gather, there's going to be more energy in that room than there's going to be in any other room. Um, and just on the sort of comparisons between the two, um, maybe to go back to the management of Waterford for a second, 
Waterford had two brilliant years the last couple of years, but like everybody else in Hurland, they were eclipsed by how brilliant Limerick were. And that's like, if you go back to the last year's All-Ireland semi-final, first 25 minutes, they threw everything at Limerick, everything. And I sort of wondered after that game, like a lot of people, like, like what do you do in that situation? Like Waterford were humming along nicely, you know, from the game against Leash when they were almost beaten, they just, they went vertical in terms of their, uh, in terms of their form. And in that semi-final, they went and they hit Limerick as hard as they could with everything they had. And they were ended up being destroyed. And I remember sitting there saying afterwards, like you do in the very knee-jerk snap reactions, like where did they go from this? Like, you know, they're so far off Limerick. Um, like how quickly can you turn that around? Well, the answer is, you know, six months or seven months or whatever <laughs> it has been. Because they just have, and that was the starting point. You know, there was no, okay, lads, we have to go back to base and start again. No and panic. Yeah, that was that was ground zero, you know, and start to build it again. And they they played like a team this year that have no hang ups, but Limerick, anybody else in the thing. Um, and they're starting with a home game against a team in Tipperary who, for all their talent, haven't been going well. And if they win that game, which I think most people will expect them to do, um, like I have to be honest, at halftime uh, on Saturday, I was having a sneaky look at the odds for this year's All Ireland because when you have a team that are as short odds favourites as Limerick are, everybody else is great value, and I think Waterford is superb value. But um, again, well, they were better value at twelve to one, Connor, to start the year. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah, since it's a man who I think may have put a quid or two on there. Well, look, I look, I think I said, I said, I said a few weeks ago, and I don't think people are making. They're on a mission, like, you know, when you're on a mission, like, you know, it's, it's, it sounds a bit intangible, you can't read, but there's madness in their eyes, like, you know, if that, if that makes sense, like, there's, yeah. there's madness in their eyes, like, and I remember in 15, we won the league, and when we played Kilkenny in all our semi-final, it was bonus territory, 16, we drew with Kilkenny, and we lost the replay, and 17 then, so I don't think, you know, this physical gap, Limerick, if you, if you go physical with them, I'm telling you, that Saturday night game down in, the mind the first game, that Saturday night game down in Limerick, as well, um, the second round of the championship. It won't be, the, you know, it won't be the only time they'll meet this year. That's all I'd say. Yeah. 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 probably not and look it's very exciting I think anybody who's it a is fan is you know delighted that there's a team coming along who we actually think you know could be the equals or better of Limerick and uh, that's not that's a slight to Limerick that's a celebration of Limerick say you want the team to bring the best out of them uh, Derek thank you very much and uh, I have a feeling we'll be talking to you a few more times this summer anyway and we'll be back in a second with Kieran Whelan to talk about the football he hits it he hits it it's over the ball Welcome back. We've been joined by Karen Whelan to look back on the Allianz League weekend in football finals. How are you doing, Whelan? Morning, lads. All good. All about it. We're, we're hoping you can match Derek McGrath's Monday morning enthusiasm. Such was his enthusiasm for Watford hurling that we actually forgot to talk about the Division 2A final. Oh, Miss Mead and Down fans, I apologise and we'll get back to you again. But Please, Derek... Mikey, Kerry win the league at a canter and you want me to be all enthusiastic oh. about it? Yeah. We got, two, we got two dubs on special. <laughs> Tell us how oh, great they're, Kerry they're are. Coming, they're coming for us. They're coming yeah. for us. Yeah. Uh, ah, listen, like to their credit, I think we said it at the, at, in the very first po- podcast of the year that they'd win the league at, at a canter. Um, and they did. Mm. Uh, I thought their performance yesterday, albeit Mayo were probably flat, um, Missing a couple of guys, I thought the Kerry performance was 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 absolutely top drawer. Um, you can see that ambition is there since the start of the year to 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 get a good defensive structure in place. They have the talent, and they can play good counter attacking football. They can move the ball very quickly. They've excellent forwards, and I think if you look back, 
just reflecting on it, and this is in no way building them up. I think this is a reality. Um, they, they've, they're beginning to look very look like what Dublin were really in their pomp. Um, and you look at even their improvements to f- defensively. Jason Foley was excellent yesterday. Tyg Morley is, is is dropping back to play, you know, sweep that sweeping role, and he's playing it very effective. Uh, albeit, you know, Aidan O'Shea dropping off him allowed Kerry to do that. Um, they have brilliant strike runners. Gavin White was just unbelievable. Tom O'Sullivan, Brina Bregic. Um, they're still developing in midfield. Uh, they have a playmaker in Paddy Clifford who can run it, who can kick it, who can spray passes around. Uh, they have workhorses, Minan and Splan. Uh, and they've Gini and Clifford Gini on top playing on top of his game again and they didn't even have Shani O'Shea so um, when they when they play at that level uh, and if you go I think what really is evident you know any team that goes man to man and tries to press up and carry and play true football against them are really going to struggle and you're probably going to say again similar to Dubs you're going to see more teams playing a tighter defensive system to try and frustrate them and close them down and keep keep in the game I think that's the only way you're going to play this team because they're still on an upper curve and they're getting better and better yeah Connor that that was very evident in as we we were discussing before we came on air the uh almost uh willful abandonment of Porico horror by his teammates he was kind of he was he was left to deal with David Clifford on his own and um Better men than Porg or Ahura have um, floundered on the rocks of trying to look after David Clifford one-on-one. Yeah, well, like, I mean, the thing about it is I'm not sure that there's a right way to mark David Clifford, but there's definitely a wrong way. And I think Mayo figured that one out, if nothing else, yesterday. <laughs> um, I wonder, like, Ushin Mullen marked him in the league game a couple of weeks ago, and I wonder whether that changed when Mullen was pulled from the team um, and Ahura was kind of the, you know, last man back, you take him sort of thing. But, you know, they left him cruelly exposed cruelly cruelly exposed because in a lot of cases he didn't do anything particularly wrong like he he, he never he, he showed Clifford the outside he he kept his body position pretty strong you know he kept his feet planted but like you're dealing with a guy who has a different range of talents like you don't have a David Clifford to mark and train and to get used to Mark and David Clifford there's a couple of things that just stood out yesterday um, and I was actually at the game in Killarney the previous week against Tyrone where he actually struggled in some ways because Paddy Clifford wasn't on the pitch and Sean O'Shea wasn't on the pitch and they couldn't really get him into the game quite as much now, he still kicked three from play in that game, but but you can see the difference there between, you know, having those players on the pitch um, for Clifford and not, you know, they, they know how to get him the ball. But the first thing that just stands out a mile is the way he strikes the ball. It, like, it's it's incredible. The first point that he kicked, we had no idea whether the ball had gone 40 yards wide or directly over the black spot because he kicks the ball so high and he kicks it from a kind of standing position. He doesn't have any great backlift or anything like that. So he doesn't kind of, he doesn't signpost the fact that he's about to take a shot. So I don't know, how, and he can he can kick like that on the run without actually breaking stride. But the thing that really stands out is his ball control. Like, and you can see it for the goal. Ahora showed him the outside. He did absolutely everything right. There wasn't enough room really for Clifford to go past him on the outside. But he he does this little solo from his right hand onto his left foot, back to his right hand, and it actually just changes the direction of his run ever so slightly. And it takes him so few paces to actually go around the player like he's not there. And then the finish was was absolutely sensational. So. Yeah, when you have a team like that that's playing football as defensive as Kerry are, because you have to say that they are, you know, after they scored their first goal yesterday, I looked down, and every Kerry player, including Clifford and Keeney, were inside the 65. So they know how to get back now. They know how to, you know, make up for the, maybe the lack of man-to-man markers in that situation. And Mayo, you have to say, played directly into their hands. Like, Mayo need a broken game where their runners can kind of get on the ball. 
I'm trying to unpick a lot that's not their forte at all. And the number of scores that came in the second half with Mayo Mills breaking down, Kerry moving the ball quickly and then being two and two on two or three and three up front, it was absolutely criminal. So, yeah, there's mm. a couple of things at play there. One of them was definitely Mayo, but Clifford was off the, off the charts. He was. Rory, it was a, there was a nice piece of the Sunday Independent. Uh, I think it was Dermot Crow wrote it just about kind of the Paddy Talley influence and like... And the crux of it was they kind of needed a Tyrone man to come down and teach them the importance of humility and the importance of, you know, how defending is a team responsibility and everybody has to do it. And whether it's all Paddy Talley or whether it's Jack O'Connor or a combination of the entire coaching team, that's what they have now. And as Connor says, they're racking up phenomenal scores, 319. We're talking about David Clifford, like he's the, you know, he's the next Messiah, which he probably is. But at the same time, it's all built on this very solid structure that they now have, which involves David Clifford, their marquee forward, trips and back 70 yards when that's what the team needs. It's 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 it is a sea change. But I I I don't know. Sometimes like backroom people when things are going well tend to get a lot of tend to get like maybe two more credit than they deserve, and then maybe more abuse when <laughs> things are going badly. I'm not so sure. I think there's just a sort of a maturity in Kerry now. I think Jason Foley is probably playing the best football I've seen him play for an awful long time. It took him a while to figure out fullback. I don't know if he's a natural fullback or certainly didn't start out that way. And probably the best fullback now going really across the country. Probably from Mark and David Clifford in training. Yeah, like he gets lots of practice <laughs> every night. Like, and uh, that, that's a very fair point. I mean, it's a good point that, that Connor makes, you know, like, I mean, that would absolutely sharpen you up, I'm sure, because the reality is from Jason Foley's point of view, and when he goes into a match situation, he's probably not playing. He's not, he's not going to be marking someone at that same level. Um, and Tyg Marley seems to have figured it out. They're just sitting that little bit deeper. I mean, I don't necessarily think it was any sort of ingenious plan. Just think across the board, look, there's just a proper maturity in their play. I still think there's one or two issues. And look, heaven forbid anything were to happen, Clifford. But Christ, if he did get injured, like you are talking a game changer, he's that important and he's that good. But um, yeah, like I think all the pieces are kind of in place for them. We kind of knew at the start that they would go for the league because obviously they don't face a really stiff test now until probably into late June. And um when they head head towards head towards the quarterfinals, unless the, unless unless that tough match in the Munster semi final gets played in Parky Ring, that's another day's story. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, like, we kind of knew this from the very very start. I think the worrying aspect, though, from yesterday's point of view, was for Mayo to get a bit of a pace in, like fifteen points is a right beating. Now, I mean, having said that, like you looked at their half back line yesterday, and the Hessian Rory Brickenden and uh, Michael Plunkett. Is that going to be their like what what do Mayo launch most of their good play from? It's usually their half back line, it's usually the Oshin Mullins, Paddy Durkins, Moe McLaughlin's. None of them played yesterday. Um, and I just kind of got a sense like how fussed was Horn about it. You kind of felt like they fell into a league final. Yeah, and they were kind of, you know, let's have a go. I thought it was a nice game. You know, like most of the football this weekend, I felt it was nice. You know, there was a nice old feel to it, like it was nice. That's what I'd describe it as. But was there a championship feel to yesterday? No, absolutely not. Um, and there certainly wasn't in the first game either uh, between Galway and Roscommon. So I think Kerry will know, look, yeah, Grant, we saw it even in the speech afterwards. Yeah, you know, like happy out, Grant. They'll park it and they'll just move on. I don't think he went as far as to say he was happy out at any point during that speech. Yeah, we, yeah. the we, key <laughs> is to not look happy when yeah, you're yeah. in title. We, yeah. we know, there, there always is, I feel, league football league weekend 
final weekend, there is always kind of a touch of the kind of pitch opening kind of level of intensity to it. Like it, they rarely do go hammer and tongs. And Jack O'Connor said it afterwards. He said, I'm fairly sure Mayo had one eye on Galway. Now that's him downplaying any achievement, of course, but it's also patently true, isn't it? That yeah, <laughs> James I, Horne's interested in that match more than this match. Yeah, I think, it's, listen, it's only natural. The eyes are, are somewhere else, you know, particularly with the championship so compact now and in a couple of weeks, there isn't that t- downtime. And you don't know, you know, certainly over the last few weeks in terms of uh, training and conditioning, you know, teams would have had to put in uh, blocks of training at different periods and stuff like that. Yeah, and we, we, we're, not, we're not privy to that in the background, but the strength and conditioning guys are trying to get them to peak for championship uh, depending on when that is and and an easier run mayo of course have their have their eye on 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 galway but i just i still think they'd be very disappointed with performance and i still think it's like okay you can wrap it up that okay it's not that important and maybe mullen and durkin back in defense will help them Dermot o'connor they're still rob henley wasn't playing uh but even up front you know, you get a sense that they're still a little bit disjointed and dysfunctional. And and the one thing that probably stood out for me yesterday was probably their lack of pace in certain areas. You know, Ruan and Jordan Flynn have done well in the middle of the park, but uh, like S- Stephen Cohn was exposed at times. Aidan O'Shea was exposed at times. Even Shane Ryan came back. I know Killian O'Connor's only coming back, but he bombed up the pitch, opened up the legs at one point. Um, and you just there was little signs there that some of maybe their, their more experienced players back in Crow Park, back on a fast surface, you know, got badly exposed yesterday. And that's what you, you yet yeah, Horn has brought through all these new players, but, you know, many of them are really putting their hand up to say, yeah, I'm going to make a significant difference here. And are Mayo still reliant on some of their experienced lads to get them where, where they be? So while they will be better and they would be much better come Connacht Championship and they'll have, a lot of their players back and they'll definitely be more uh def- better set up i would think defensively um some of the same old failings were there yesterday and um i don't care what you say that coming out of Crow park with 15 point defeat to get on a bus to go back down the road it's not it's not a place where any team wants to be and certainly it, it's gonna ha- it will have a bit of a negative impact getting them back up over the next couple of weeks to get ready for galway yeah, would would you agree, Connor? There's uh, there's always the aspect of uh, you know a a big match in Crow Park is better than a week's training, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if it goes as badly wrong as it did for Mayo here, the the, the ramifications for your your lead into your match your match against your you know biggest local rivals it can it can be only negative. Yeah, because like I mean, going into the game, it, it had the feeling of one of those matches where there wasn't actually a whole lot to win for either side, but there was plenty to lose. And I think Mayo kind of took as much negative out of the game as you possibly can. All those absences are absolutely valid, you know, mitigation. Dermot O'Connor was exceptional in the games that I saw him in in the league. He, he almost looked like he was becoming their John O'Shea, their Kieran Kilkenny, you know, the player that all the play goes through. And I think Henley has really, you know, bear in mind that Rory Bourne yesterday made a couple of brilliant saves from Paddy Clifford in the first half. But, um, you know, Henley is a huge presence for them. And, you know, as Rory said, that half-back line, that's 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 where all their energy comes from. That's when they were chasing down games against Monaghan and Clonus earlier on in the league when they were when they were beating Dublin. You know, that's where a lot of their energy comes from. Um, but, like, they were still in the situation that they found themselves in yesterday. And I'm like, absolutely certain that that performance didn't reflect their best work. So, you know, it's up to them how quickly they kind of deal with that and move on. Um, but you know, I mean, the other side of that was that Dalway were no shakes yesterday, great shakes from Crow Park yesterday either. So 
you know, if we're, if we're using the performance in the league final stick to beat Mayo, I think you have to give Galway a bit of a crack of it too, you know. So, so, so that game, that game is what both of those teams, their entire seasons were going to hinge on. And I don't think that has been affected in a huge way by yesterday. Yeah, or a, a nice way to lead on to it then, because it was probably the, the, the best game of the weekend. You know, uh, of all the pitch openings, it was the most entertaining pitch opening. And um, Ross Common won it like in fairly spectacular fashion. And they, it was a shootout. And the problem for Galway fans is they're probably wondering, do all our matches have to be shootouts? Yeah, yeah it, it, well, it turned into a shootout because Paul Conroy gave an absolute exhibition, certainly in the first oh, half. Anyway. Ridiculous. And then you had Donnie Smith maybe chipping in in the second half. Um, yeah, again, like I mean, it was it was a it was uh, of the four games over the course of the weekend, it was definitely the game that felt you know, that, like it was competitive. There was the quality was reasonably high, but I still thought the pace, like the pace, was just that little bit off and that little bit slower and. I was actually sitting next to I sat next to Colin Cooper and I said, when we were watching, I said, Jesus, may I won't be too uh, worried looking at that Galway performance, Colin. And then halfway through the next match, he turned around to me and he said, yeah, Galway won't be too worried looking at that Mayo performance. So Rory, it's Rory, do you know what do you know what it felt like? I was watching it yesterday and it was great. I, I totally enjoyed it. Like, it was a very good it was great to watch. Uh, yeah. And it was some the quality of score taking was excellent. But it was like watching a minor game before the yeah. senior game, that yeah. it was just so open and it was, you know, it was, you know, you go down, take your score, we'll go up and take our score. You know mm. what I mean? It was great, it was entertaining, but I definitely think uh, there was a bit of bite missing out of it. Bite missing, and like you had no Ross Common, yeah, yeah, like you had no Ross Common player sent off. I mean, when does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ross Common, I'm only joking. Uh, they don't think you're joking, Roy. Right? Yeah, no, think no, you've I, got I, a oh, they'll be coming for me. They'll be coming. <laughs> <laughs> but there's um, a lot to be said for having good forwards as well, and it's the one yeah. thing that Ross Common as a Division Two team. Like they have some array of a talented guys, like and Cox, great, McKeown. great variety as well. Yeah. Uh, the the goal, like I, I'm sure, Parik Dice will have nightmares over it because, like, where Dermot Morton picked up the ball, he actually sort of, he kind of sashayed his way through three fellas after running along the kind of arc of the D without anybody laying hands. It might even have been Shane Walsh who missed the original tackle. Like that's just not the sort of thing you're gonna. You're not going to concede that goal in the championship. You're not. You're going to concede a free. You're going to try and take the fella's head off before he gets that far. So I'd say they'll brush it off fairly quickly. But for again, I think Roscommon were probably the team that more to win there yesterday. And they have an uh, unbelievable record. I was, uh, I think, was it Eamon Donahue? And I was actually went back looking at this myself before he tweeted out. Is that like their fifth Division Two final, Division Two title in the last seven or eight years? Like, I think there must be a few of them with a great collection of Division Two medals. Like, they've had something like ten relegations or promotions in the last eleven years. So they're they're Fulham and West Brom rolled into one. It's it's quite quite phenomenal. Question mark, Mike? You'd have around Galway is you know I have Galway improved. You know, you still still question marks. I know they're being operating in Division Two, but you know, are they still going to be going to the championship relying on Paul Conroy, uh, Shane, Shane Walsh, Walsh and, and Damien Comer? Comer mm. You know, or are some of the others going to be able to really step up and take some of that responsibility? Like even you look at Paul Conroy's performance yesterday, top class and his ability to kick points off both feet, I have to say, just out of this world but you know similar when they played Mayo last year in the Connacht final he was brilliant in the first half but Mayo snuffed him out in the second half so you know is there anything yes there definitely there's definitely a little bit more emphasis on trying to get you know a plus one a plus two back from Galway when they can but I'm just just looking coldly at Galway 
are they any better than they were last year? We'll, we'll find out in a few weeks, you know what I mean? Because I don't think we can overreach too much into yesterday, but you just be concerned that they're still reliant on the, the, the big three to try and drag them along, you know? As big threes go to be reliant on, as long as they're all fit, it is a pretty good three to be reliant on, but I take your point. Uh, just brief, briefly then, Connor, um, Mickey Hart does it again, Not some more silverware. It's... Um, it's kind of phenomenal really. and especially when you consider the start they had what they started with a loss and a draw so to end up as the division three league champions uh i don't think they what did they go seven games seven straight wins was it it must have been yeah well I think. look I, I sort of long had a theory about you know when people were were um crying under the football in the leinster championship um and like like rightly so over the last while you were looking at a lot of counties counties of Loud's profile and saying, well, actually, like, where, where is there, like, our team's getting the most out of themselves, you know, our county boards giving themselves the best possible chance by creating an environment for a team to sell or to get close to the potential. Because in an awful lot of those counties, I think that the knee jerk is, you know, appoint a new manager, get him in, see what he can do. And it's only ever, a, a, you know, a very small lift, you know, you, you tend to get a little bounce at the very best. But to put in something sustainable and to chart proper progress, um, I think you needed something. You need something much, much bigger than simply changing the manager. But if the manager was Mickey Hart, I think it's a great experiment as to what's capable. Because a couple of years ago, you had to check loud football for a pulse. Like there was no way that anybody could have envisaged this. The 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 promotion from Division Four to Division Three is probably a promotion that most Division Four teams can make if they got their, you know, house in order, got everybody out, got properly prepared for a year. But to go immediately then into Division 2, particularly what was at stake this year, is, is a huge, huge achievement. And I think it just kind of goes to show you maybe um, that there is huge potential in every county and Loud were no exception. It just, it took some, like I, I read a great piece in the Argus, the local newspaper last week, um, where they described one of the goals that Loud scored in Wicklow the previous week in Ockram. And it was in the second half and they were ahead and Mickey Hart stood out on the line and he shouted Darver. And Darver's obviously the place where the centre of excellence is in Loud. Um, and with that, the whole team moved into a different formation and they ran a play from the kick out. It was very much like the Michael Murphy, Brian McHugh move where they bat it down and they got a goal directly off it. So like that's the standard to which Loud have gotten in two years, like that the management are actually calling plays from the sideline and that they're so well drilled that they can execute it like that. Um, so I think when you have somebody who's as good at playing with people's abilities as Mickey Hart and a coach as good as Gavin Devlin, there you go. Like there, there's the there's the evidence of how far a team can come in a short period of time. I think, I think, I think Mikey, it was very much a, a Tyrone Light performance, if you know what I mean. You that was exactly see, what I thought as well. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. can just see the handprints of the Tyrone setup. Like, you know, loud, they gave up the kick out. They actually gave up the kick out, you know. So Limerick had, I think, 100% their kick out so they actually gave them the possession and they forced Limerick to work it through the lines and had to carry it and they, would, they closed down the space and even if Limerick were to go long they'd already dropped off so they'd be overloading in the middle of the park so they totally dictated the terms of the game uh, and the minute obviously that, that when that kick out they had someone in the Colin Kavanagh role dropping back in in front of the full back line there was lots of lots of handprints of the work that he's done with Tyrone and, and, and particularly you know in, in terms of their levels of fitness in the last 15-20 
90 minutes. That counter attack and play was excellent. And I think Limerick ran out of ran out of petrol a bit, you know, and 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 definitely allowed finish the game stronger. But you know, you could see there was a real good structure to their play, and they knew exactly what they were doing. Kieran Bourne was excellent, the full forward. Uh, Tommy Jordan was brilliant in midfield, uh, and definitely a team that's playing with a bit of confidence uh, and belief in in the manager. So you have to you have have to give them credit for what they've done there. Yeah. Um... Okay, we'll leave it at that. Well, actually, we'll leave it at that after one second. Uh, in a word to each of you, who's going to win the All Ireland? Oh, well, I, I, I carry all the way. I, I, I don't. I, I said it that they would be beaten all year, and that went out the window. Obviously, in the last round of the league in a game that obviously they didn't really care too much about. But I don't see anybody beating Kerry really from here. Wheeler, I can't disagree. I think Kerry are the team that are. You know, yeah, we, we won't read too much into yesterday, but just. As I said, the structure they have uh, in terms of their defence, their counter-attack play, their talent, the Clifford factor, I just think they're they're, they're definitely the team to beat. Uh, Connor? Yeah, like all the evidence just says, Kerry. Like you'd want you to have know. you'd want to have some you know hunch about another team of something that, that that they haven't shown yet to to tip anybody other than Kerry. Um, and I don't think. Um, I don't think there's enough available evidence to kind of go any other direction because okay. you know, if they don't at this stage, you know, you won't say that it's a choke, but, but given the, the route that they have to the final, particularly if that game is in Killarney against Cork, you know, it, it, it's, it's very much set up for them at this stage. Yeah. Okay. And um, I'll get your Chelsea Cup pre- predictions next week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's it for, for today. We'll be back uh, later in the week. Um, thank you to Wheelow, thank you to Connor, thank you to Rory, and thank you to uh, Derek McGrath earlier. And we'll chat to you later. Crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a we earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! It's over the bar!